Welcome to Ode to Games, a special anniversary show, not for us, but for the Nintendo Switch, five years old today, March 3rd, 2022. We're going to be looking back on March 3rd, 2017, and all five years in between. I'm Logan Plant, joining me today, Kevin Valine. How's it going, Kev? Can't believe five years have passed I know. since the Switch came out. Yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. Half a decade. It's pretty wild. And Zach Ross is here, too. Hello, Zach. I have, I've had a Switch for less time than we've been doing this show, but not by much. That's true. What, summer 2018? Yeah. Yeah. And Kevin, summer 2017? Yep. Me launch day, March 3rd, 2017. We'll get into all that later, though. Uh, we promised Uncharted Thoughts this week. Of course, happened that this show fell on the anniversary, so we're going to dedicate most of today's show to the Switch. Zach and I have seen the Uncharted movie, and we are going to do our spoiler cast next week. Next week's show. So come on back to hear our thoughts on the Uncharted movie. But uh, real quick... I very much agree with Kevin's assessment. It was good enough, is how I feel. How about you, Zach? I, it, it exceeded my expectations, but my expectations were at the floor. Yeah, I agree. I thought I thought it was better than it was going to be, uh, based on what what kind of Kevin said last week, and then just the whole mess of production. It was fine. It was a fine movie, but we'll get into more of that next week. Before we get into our big Switch retrospective, Another huge game, or pair of games, is coming to Switch this fall, late 2022, and that is Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. Gen 9 is here. It's going to be the third Pokemon game in a 12-month span, assuming this hits in November. Of course, you have the Gen 4 remakes of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl in last November, then Pokemon Legends Arceus just in January, so it'll be the second release of the calendar year. Generation 9 uh, looks to be inspired by Spain and Portugal. It's an open-world game. They said that there are going to be towns and cities that blend in seamlessly with the wilderness, so kind of taking that Legends Arceus gameplay and infusing it into more traditional, because there, there do appear to be gyms, Pokemon centers, things you're used to in a classic generation Pokemon game. The three starters, we got a grass cat named Sprigatito, a fire croc named Fuaikoko, and a water duckling named Quaxley. But the big headline, Gen 9 is here, it's coming this year, and it's open world. I don't know if this was on any of our 2022 bingo cards, Kevin. No, and... You know, we're always talking about how uh, games can cannibalize their own sales or if some game is launching in a in a busy time frame, like, oh, maybe that'll be bad. Pokemon does not care. They no. can release one game and then have another game on the horizon. Then that comes out. And within two weeks, they're announcing the next one. And it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Because they're going to sell every time. It's wild. Uh, I thought that I kind of hoped they'd take a little bit more time. Because obviously they had a different team working on uh, the Diamond and Pearl remakes. So that's not an issue. But Ar Arceus just came out. And that, that you know, that's, that's main Game Freak right there. So I, I hope it's not too early. Looking at this trailer, there were some times where I'm like, ooh, that doesn't look great. Like, yeah, absolutely. specifically the windmills, it was like the uh, Chimeco in, in Arceus where it's just like moving at a much lower frame like than 15 uh, frames is yeah. what it looked like in that and trailer. It, and it was weird because the like the first one looked clean and then as you like got back they looked worse and worse. I'm like why did you why did you pick that shot uh to show off? You could have shown something else. Um yeah, I mean, we didn't see a bunch about it in terms of how much it's going to take from Arceus uh in terms of more of the gameplay 
style of it. It looks more like Arceus with the open world. Um, but I'd have to wait and see the, for the combat system and uh, for more of the, the open world styles and catching mechanics uh, to see how much of a change this is going to be. But from, I never played Sword and Shield, but from what people were saying about that, it was like, yeah, the wild area is great and I have a good time in it and the main routes are incredibly bland, or at least that's what I heard from a lot of people. So this this seems like what people would, would have wanted from Sword and Shield uh, when that came out, for the people that did actually enjoy it. It's interesting because Arceus isn't really even truly open, open world. Open zone, right? Yeah, it's very much like Monster Hunter. Uh, I haven't talked about it on the show yet. I do have it, and I've played like three to five hours of it. Uh, I just hadn't talked about it yet because I don't have full impressions on it based on it. it's a very slow start. But it's very much like Monster Hunter. You've got your base town, and then you've got these areas that you have to talk to a guy to launch into. So, But this is like... An open world, which they have never really done before. So I'm really curious to see how that works out. I, I mean, it's cool, and it's there's a lot of people that are still happy with modern Pokemon that I am happy for. But at the same time, we all sat here on this show and looked at Arceus and said, I wish that was coming out this November. And then I look at this, I'm like, why isn't this coming out November 2023? Because it could just be that much better. I guess it's frustrating that... Yeah, Pokemon's annualized, but this is above annualized. Like we said at the top of the show, three in the last year. So I guess my question is, why now? Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl sold like crazy. Legends Arceus could have used the extra time just based on the, the technical visuals that we've seen. And I still feel that way having played a little bit of it. And then this looks rough too. So I just don't get why they won't let this series breathe a little bit. And you look at something like Legends Arceus that really kind of feels like a proof of concept for that gameplay style, the catching mechanics, and the more open adventure, they didn't even wait to see how fans received it before being almost done with the next game, which I just think is really bizarre that they didn't see what worked or what didn't at all before being deep in development. Because you have to think that they've been working on Gen 9 since Sword and Shield wrapped, so like three years at least that this thing's been in development alongside Arceus. I just think the timing of it all is really bizarre. Yeah, you you think it would have been pretty easy to space it out. You have Diamond and Pearl come out last winter, and then you have Arceus come out in mm -hmm. winter of 2022, and then you have uh, Next Gen, uh, Violet and Scarlet, come out in 2023. Like, it's it set up pretty well. I don't... I, I I mean, I guess maybe they assume that they can, they can get away with it because people will buy it and people will play it because it's Pokemon, and it always sells so well that they can just keep pumping these out, but... In terms of game quality, you'd think that that would be the the correct route to go. And they have so much money that it doesn't really matter too much if, you know, if the game comes out eight months later than, than originally anticipated or a year later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but Zach, what's your take on this open world Pokemon Gen 9? How do you feel about this trailer? Yeah, the trailer, I thought personally, looked pretty rough. Um, like, like we talked about, I don't know why they're choosing to pump these out as frequently as they are because they really do need to put more time into making these or quality over quantity but i haven't had a chance to play any legends arceus so i don't really know if i like the direction of moving to a more open world pokemon style game um like you said it was open zone not fully open world but at least they're making uh changes because you know Sword and Shield, and I, even the Diamond and Pearl remakes really didn't do anything for me that I wanted them to. So moving yeah. forward, some drastic changes in order to pull 
people like us back into this franchise need to be made, if that's open world or something like that. And so be it. So definitely looking to see how this is, uh, you know, how this is reviewed coming out. Definitely not a day one purchase. Um, but on the brighter side of things, I think this is the best set of starters I've seen in a very long time. I, I think they're all extremely adorable and I love them all. Usually it's a pretty clear choice for which one I want, but I really had to think about it uh, before landing on Fue Coco, the adorable little fire gator. I yeah, couldn't really so think cute. of what he was, but I guess, yeah, he is <laughs> a, a thing. Yeah, he's, he was kind of just like a little thing that looked really adorable, but yeah, I guess that makes sense. Kind of like Totodile, which I think was also a little gator. I'm with Fue Coco also. He'd be my pick if I do play this game. But Kev, not yours. Grass Cat. <laughs> I didn't look at the names yet, but the uh, grass starter looked super adorable. So had to go with it. Love cats. Yeah, I think really this cute. is... And, and Quaxley is cute too, the duck. The water duck yeah. is, is good, too. I thought about I him. I love Quaxley. I think that Alola Gen 7 with Rowlet, Litten, and Poplio was pretty okay. But I really think this is the strongest set of starters since Gen 4. Like, I, I don't think it's been this good for a long time. But even, even, even that generation, people... It was basically Rowlet or Litten, I felt. Yeah. Not Poplio, a whole lot of people yeah. went, with, <laughs> went with Poplio. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, maybe this will provide a little bit more of an even split than in previous gens. It's a good bounce back from Gen 8, which I thought was terrible. I think all three of those starters are really bad. Grookey, Sobelin, Scorebunny. Ugh, can't stand really any of them. Yep. And then their final yeah, evolutions are all just hideous. I hate all of their final <laughs> Oh, we don't know what the final evolutions of the current yeah. ones are going to be. Yeah. Could and be people bad. People are concerned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We on, on our Twitter at Oda Games, we did uh, a little map for each of us on the starters that we picked when i got to a last gen i'm like uh i didn't play this I didn't and i don't anything. really like any yep. of these so i just went with the grass guy but i was yeah. just like i do uh, no 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 real pick there yeah but this one was uh was a much more fun pick and for me an easier pick because the, the cat was super cute but yeah i can see i can see the cute designs in all three yeah and just from a lineup perspective 2022 just continues to look bonkers. Does it have me a little worried that having a Pokemon that's going to sell 20 million guaranteed in the fall would make them more comfortable to push Zelda back? Yes. Like, I don't know what this means for Zelda. I'm sure they Nintendo is known for a long time when the Pokemon company planned to release Gen 9. Uh, so maybe it doesn't change anything, but it's just looking like a packed fall. You've got Xenoblade in September, so Zelda's not coming out then because it would just kill xenoblade so they're gonna get that its own time and then i guess october with pokemon in november who knows or maybe early no. december yeah. smash released in december and sold amazingly so I, I don't think it matters when it comes out it's gonna sell so but i i do worry that having this huge fall game because that was one of my big my big reasons why i thought zelda would make it for sure this year was they didn't have that big black friday november game but here it is here it is. It's Pokemon again. So, yeah, we'll see. Even when you don't think it's Pokemon, it's Pokemon. Yeah, it's keep a, coming back. It's just a stacked year. Like, whether you're into this announcement or not, it's going to be huge. Like, it's going to be a huge game. One of the best sellers of the year. Also, I'm a little bummed they're sticking with two versions. I was hoping Legends Arceus was kind of the, yeah. the shift to, we only need one version, but they're not going to turn down that cash of, of people who buy both. So, 
I, I was just a little disappointed to see that. I mean, yeah, you've got that double pack, $120, yeah. where you don't even save any money. It's like, hey, we'll give you a little piece of cardboard, mm-hmm. uh, and you pay full price for both games, but people do it. Yeah. Some people to, you know, play with a significant other or family, mm-hmm. and some people just to play by themselves. I sure did that in uh, fourth and fifth generations. You know, I bought uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and, you know, Black and White when those came out. But it's a little bit tougher... Uh, it's a little bit tougher of a sell when it's 60 bucks instead of 40 like mm-hmm. they were on uh, on DS and even 3DS. Yeah, for sure. 35 on DS back in the day. Good old days. Mm-hmm. That's, a, yeah, that's a throwback. And they were originally 30 but it was a mid-gen price hike to 35 Man, a new Pokemon oh, for 29.99 feels good. <laughs> Crazy. 59.99? Oh, no. Doesn't feel yeah. as good. I gotta buy I two versions. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I'll say on on Scarlet and Violet though, visually looks a heck of a lot better than Sword and Shield. Way better visuals, way better environments uh, than than Sword and Shield. Still doesn't look up to snuff with other games Nintendo's putting out on Switch, but certainly an improvement over the first new gen that came out on on Switch, which we saw, which we've seen on the other platforms too. Black and white look far more dynamic than Diamond and Pearl do, and then Sun and Moon look worlds better than X and Y do. X and Y look rough. Yeah, so it's good to see that leap, though. Uh, Incremental looks pretty similar to Legends, visually. Yeah. I mean, for for Pokemon, at least, you know, you got to take that with a a grain of salt. They don't do these, like, drastic changes too terribly often. Arceus was basically the first big one. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is you know, kind of a big jump to go complete open world because that does, you know, you do have to change your design philosophies there. Yeah. Whereas with the with the wild area in Sword and Shield, you can really format it just like you would any other Pokemon game and then just, you know, smash the wild area into some place. And with Arceus, since it's open zone, that makes it much easier. to like, go go here and then go here. But with the open world, you do have to make that cohesive throughout the entire, uh, the entire runtime. And Hopefully, hopefully they, it, hopefully it hits and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't flop like Sword and Shield did. Yeah, and I'm skeptical about people. it because you guys know how I feel about open worlds. Don't super love them. And then I think about Sword and Shield and how the wild area was far more entertaining than the critical path was. So I spent so much time there. I was so over leveled when I decided to go back to the main story. I just steamrolled everything. So wondering how they're going to circumvent that in an open world that will still likely adhere to traditional jrpg leveling systems i'm curious to see how that's gonna go see if they change it at all yeah but again from this trailer you really didn't see a whole lot it was mainly just environments the starters and character designs the main character wears different colors depending on which version you buy which is random and weird they've never done that before i mean with the third versions they did but yeah yeah i guess that is true they I haven't done that. I feel like the biggest difference ever was that if you bought Moon, it was dark when it should have been light, and oh, light yeah. when it should have been dark. Was that was the weird. Main, yeah. I did not know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> did you play? Did we all play Sun? I played Sun. I played, I played Sun. Sun yeah. yeah, we all got Sun. It's just like, yeah, I'll just keep it with the same time that I'm rolling with now. Yeah, <laughs> my my current clock. Yeah, but that is Pokemon. Curious to see how this one turns out, but Switch in 2022 is just absolutely bonkers uh but there are now rumors of a switch successor coming from another nvidia leak and 
basically we're not going to get into the heavy specs of this, but the code name for the switch in within Nvidia's documents is NVN, and in new leaked documents they have an NVN2 in the works. So whether that's Switch Pro, Switch 2, whatever it is, there is an up-spec Switch in the works. And to this I say, of course there is. Like, duh, come on. Uh, but for what it is, we have no idea, or when we'll see it. They say the Switch is only halfway through its life cycle, but does, that doesn't mean that something else couldn't come out while the Switch is still going, like we're seeing right now with PS4 PS5. The PS4 is still very much alive and in its life cycle, but it's already been replaced. So curious to see what strategy Nintendo is going to take, especially with how hard hardware production and manufacturing still is. I'm curious to see what this means and when we'll actually see something, Kev. Yeah, I wonder if uh, because of everything happening right now and because the Switch is still doing incredibly well with a bunch of games coming out that maybe they're a little bit more comfortable pushing it back. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe at the start of the switch, they're trying to plan things out. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe five, six years, we'll see how it's going and, you know, and then decide when to launch it. But it is still selling so well that you could you could probably squeeze another two years out of it before before at least announcing what comes next. Um, but at the very least, with, with this leak, it looks like a successor is a switch two, mm-hmm. or, or or keeping in line with the switch and not trying to radically change things. In terms of you know removing a handheld capabilities, it's just nice to have something that all—it's not a confirmation, but kind of looks like it that they are uh, keeping with that going forward, which is great because I think it's it's such a great selling point, and it will it'll never get old. Even if I don't play in handheld very often, yeah, it's still great. It's something that we we talked about before. I think that you found it, Nintendo. Just call it Switch Two. I think you stick with the Switch brand for a very long time. I think it's the right move and. I actually felt I was I felt strange a little bit about kind of the PS4 PS5 cross gen stuff when it started just cuz it was very new but now I think it's totally the right call. I think that we could see the Switch 2 maybe fall of next year, fall 2023, spring 2024 and I think it launches with the next 3D Mario, but I think that that's a cross gen game. I think that it runs better, looks better on the new Switch, but it's still playable on your old Switch hardware. And I think just like we're seeing with PS4, PS5, you get these cross-gen exclusives. I think Metroid Prime 4 will be another big one for the Switch 2 that will still be playable on your Switch. And then in a couple years, come 25, 26, that's when you phase out the original Switch. And I think it's a good move because it really does lower the demand a considerable amount. Can you imagine how much harder it would be to find a PS5 if Horizon God of War and everything was exclusive to it. I think it's a good move among these hardware shortages to still make the games playable on older hardware. I hope it's the direction Nintendo takes because then the hardcore fans can adopt on day one and and play all these games to the best of their capabilities. But to most of the Switch audience, it doesn't matter. And they can just stick with the hardware they have until it's really time to upgrade. I think it's a cool way to kind of bridge the generations. Yeah, well, and then Nintendo, that would also mean backwards compat, which yes, is which is great. Yeah, <laughs> Nintendo's done that in the past, right, with Breath of the Wild and Twilight Princess and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's not entirely new to them. Yeah, but the thing was, there it was different versions, right? Like you had a GameCube version and a Wii version, or the Wii U and Switch version. I'm hoping that these cross-gen games are just like it's out on Switch, cross-buy. plays better on Switch too. Yeah, yeah. cross-buy for sure which they have been horrible horrible at in the past. 3DS Wii U was what? a disaster. Yeah, yeah, didn't they have yeah, 3DS Wii U things where you bought it on one and you got a code or something? That or? was uh, just Tipping Stars. That was the only oh. cross-buy game wow. they ever did. 
and Mewtwo DLC for Smash Brothers was cross by. I guess all the Weird. DLC was was cross oh, okay. by, but it was a disaster. Huh. <laughs> but yeah, that's hopefully what I want to see. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit better this time around if they do do that. And I think backwards compatibility is a must. I think things like the Mario Kart 8 DLC tell you that they have this DLC running until late next year. I don't think they do that if they're just going to ditch the system the next year. So I think backwards compatibility has to be there. And then things like Smash Ultimate, there's less pressure to make a new Smash on the next thing because you still can play the old one. Yeah. So I think it's the right call. We'll I'm, I'm we'll making it up. This. We'll see. <laughs> I have no idea that's what they're <laughs> it's doing. It's a great call by Nintendo. By me. <laughs> by me. Yeah, that's what I want to see. But speaking of the Switch, Switch 2, five years old. Five years old today, March 3rd, 2017. The Switch came out. And Kevin, we are going to look back in our O2 this week. Yeah, owed to five years of the Nintendo Switch. Still crazy that this thing is five years old. It It feels like just like maybe two or three years ago that uh, that Logan was getting this uh, shipped to him on launch day uh, for, for Breath of the Wild and enjoying that. But yeah, let's... Let's take a look back at that original launch on March 3rd, 2017. We've got a list of the uh, of the titles that came out. A much different library of the Switch now than what it was yeah. uh, when it launched. Because when this thing launched, it was Breath of the Wild. Uh, you had Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Man, 1-2 Switch. What? <laughs> <laughs> $50! They charged $50 for that I thing. I came so close to buying uh, that. My roommate really, really wanted me to at the time. Because he wanted something to play on it and doesn't care about Zelda. And he's like, you're going to get one to Switch? I am glad I did not. It looks bad. <laughs> and a waste of money. I've heard that it's like two hours and then you're done. Yeah. Uh, you had Shovel Knight, Skylanders, Imaginator, Super Bomberman R, Just Dance 2017, Fast RMX, a Human Resource Machine, I Am Setsuna, Little Inferno, Snipper Clips. That was a good one from what I heard. Yeah. And World of Goo. So I guess, uh, Logan, since you were the only one of us three that bought it, on launch day, uh, what were your specific memories of the launch of the Switch? It was Zelda, nothing else mattered. I mean, that's <laughs> really how it was for everybody. I, I still remember my Switch home screen was just the Zelda icon for a month and a half until Mario Kart came out. And then I picked that up, and those were the only two games that I had on the system. I think the first game I downloaded was NBA Playgrounds. Not a very good game. That, that game was not... Not very good, but it didn't matter. When you release with a killer app like that, I don't think that... It, it's not like the 3DS lineup where Nintendo's offering was Pilot Wings and Steel Diver. It's like, well, I'm not going to play those. It was like, yeah, this is the game you've been waiting for for years. So I thought it was great. And then Snipper Clips, yeah, you singled that one out. That's really the other one that it was really the first example of pop off the two Joy-Con, hand one to a friend, and do this co-op thing. And that was like really novel at the time to to split the Joy-Con like that. So those two games were were really what carried it. And the rest was a lot of ports and remasters. Yeah. And I mean, Shovel Knight's great, but it was three years old already at the time. And 1-2-Switch was really throwaway. But yeah, it, it didn't really matter when you launch with something so good like Zelda. Yeah, and at the time we, we knew that what Mario Kart was going to be coming out pretty soon. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. You know, you had an idea of the of the launch year... And the launch year was pretty solid. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, really all you needed was Breath of the Wild, especially because so few people had a Wii U that the cross, uh, the crossover there was probably so small that it really didn't matter. There were so many people where it was like, all right, Breath yeah. of the Wild, 
I don't have a Wii U. I guess I'm picking up a Switch to play it. But uh, what else do you remember from uh, from when it came out and your first experiences with the console of holding this uh, hybrid? Yeah, just things I think we really take for granted now for how cool a piece of tech this thing still is. Just, I, I, there were so many questions. I mean, I remember watching in my dorm room with you, Kev, the January reveal event for this thing. And we were like, what is the battery life really going to feel like? What is swapping it in and out of the dock really going to feel like? The only comparison was the Wii U gamepad, which was really unintuitive and not user-friendly. So to just boot it up on day one and see that you put it in the dock, takes like three seconds to switch over. You take it out, it's literally instant. It was unbelievable. It was so incredible that first time and just be like, I, I just remember bringing it to friends' houses or apartments and just how easy it is to just throw everything in a bag and take it and set up. It's not like when I used to bring the PS4 over and to play Monster Hunter at, at your guys' place <laughs> and it was just a pain in the butt to bring that whole setup over. But with the Switch, it was just so convenient. And I think that we've it's it's really settled in, obviously, over five years, but... This is still such a cool device that does things that nothing else is doing right now. Yeah, when it first came out, you know, it was it was so novel to be able to pop it in and out of the dock and take it places. I picked it up in uh, in summer of 2017, so I picked it up with uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Mario Kart, and Splatoon, Splatoon Two, and and yeah, it was it was so cool to be able to pop it out of the dock and bring it out places, bring it over to friends' houses. I did uh, a road trip with my family at the end of that summer. And, you know, we just had the Switch there and I was able to play Mario Kart with my sister. And, you know, I didn't have to buy another controller at the time. I could just pop the, the Joy-Cons off and both of us could play and uh, do it on tabletop. And that was so cool at the time. And what's great is, is that it's still cool. Because I think back to, you know, the Wii when that came out. That was so cool to be able to play Wii Sports and yeah. have, every, you know, the motion work and be like, wow, you know, I'm moving and the game is doing the same thing. But by the time 2010, 2011 came out, it was just like, I don't care anymore and I don't really want it in my games. Whereas here, even though I don't play it in handheld very often, I think it's still super cool and it's a great feature to have. And the portability in general, even if I'm bringing it over to somebody's place to plug it into the dock, is so much easier to bring over than say, you know, the PS4, especially if they have a Switch as well. I can just bring my Switch over and plug it into their dock and it works. It's great. And so many features that developers cram into these things at launch, you use for the launch games and never again. The Vita has all that crap that you never even think about after the first few days. Even even some of the PS5 stuff, some of the DualSense stuff is probably not going to be around forever. But 3DS the Switch, with all of its cameras oh, AR, and, and 3D yeah. face raiders that just vanished. With the Switch, yeah. its gimmicks, for lack of a better word, are so core to the main experience that we're still doing everything it was designed to do, which is incredible. Even HD Rumble is still used in some pretty cool ways in games. It's like everything here matters, and that's just super cool. It is just such an evolution of the Wii U. The best lesson they ever learned after the Wii U, and they, they took everything that was wrong with that and just made such a great little device. Obviously, it's not perfect. Joy-Con drift, huge issue for millions of people, uh, and that has still not super been resolved. You can get it fixed nope. for free, but 
the new Joy-Con that requires you to send it in it. and then have them send it back to you. And, yeah. and if you buy new Joy-Cons, then they could drift at any time. Yeah, so there are definitely yeah. issues with it. And my Switch is starting to fall apart a little bit, <laughs> as we've talked about on the show before. But really, it is just such a cool little device that it's just been phenomenal. Zach, how about you? Your first experiences with the Switch? I know you were hanging out with Logan a lot uh, when Breath of the Wild first came out, but as well when you when you picked up your console as well. Yeah, my questions. my real first exposure to the Switch was going over to Logan's dorm and watching him play Breath of the Wild because I, at the time, had no intention of ever getting a Switch and had never played a Zelda before. But people were freaking out about Breath of the Wild, and Logan and I had just become friends, so I was like, okay, I'll go check it out and... It was super cool. What a game. What a what a launch title. I didn't really didn't let me play it, so I didn't really <laughs> get the get the experience of playing the Switch until much later. Um yeah. You played that I, stealth I section. That uh Garuda did stealth play section. That stealth section. Oh. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Uh I, I don't know why you let me I guess you hate stealth and I love stealth, so now you know. Uh, now I know. Um I waited until summer of 2018. Uh, I think the big reason I got it was, one, Logan was badgering me at the time, like he does with many things, and I was also uh, leaving the country for about a month, and I wanted something to play, um, since I couldn't take my PS4 with me to Korea, or what have you, um, easily. Uh, so I bought a Switch, and I think the game I bought was Mario Tennis Aces, which oh, yeah. is now one of my least favorite games of all time. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's the only thing I had to play while I was over there. I put some time into it. Uh, enjoyed it. I played it with you guys. Uh, had some fun. Uh, you played uh, Golf me. Story while you were over there, too. You never had it? Oh, I did. I did play Golf Story. I never had Aces. Never I played. just played I, that with Logan. I think I only played Ultra Smash. Yeah, with uh, us. Yeah, yeah my place. Garbage game. Anyways. Oh, yeah, Golf Story, though. Great game. Happy <laughs> for mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the Switch. I do think that they really found something to move forward with in their future consoles um a good base um because yeah like a console to handheld is just such a unique thing that no one else is doing and i think they've really really got something special and and the the sales really speak to that because holy crap they'll sell out anything on any series (laughs) the the switch can can revive any series and that's the thing that I feel like is different than any other Nintendo console is that, you know, in most Nintendo consoles, you have the games that always sell well. You know, mm-hmm. your, your 2D Marios, Mario Karts and and whatnot. But the attach rate on some of these games for Switch is absolutely insane. Not yeah. just Mario Kart, but the fact that just, you know, random series. Luigi's Mansion selling 10 plus million is insane. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's great. It's great that people are branching out beyond just the first two or three games that they get their system with they're trying other games and that's been a that's been a thing that other consoles have struggled with in the past and i think the switch brought well obviously it did it brought a lot of people back to nintendo it reminded so many people why they fell in love with nintendo at some earlier point in their lives i mean you guys both did not have a wii u you were pretty unplugged apart from the 3ds from what they were doing and it can't be overstated how how important the Switch being successful was. Being plugged in during the Wii U era was a frightening time. The op-eds constantly coming out like, 
is Nintendo going to go third party? Should they just make handhelds? Should they make games on phones? Because of how much of a flop the Wii U was, and for them to have the confidence in themselves to give it another shot and just the success it's been is incredible, especially with such a new concept. Like, nothing like the Switch existed before it came out. Nothing. And there were so many worries, because, I mean, the NX was what it was codenamed, and there were so many leaks about what this thing was going to be. And I listened to podcasts that were like, this thing's going to have horrible battery life. I don't get how the controller is going to work, because something that never leaked was this little system right here, was the sliding the, the Joy-Con on and off which is just the smartest thing in the world, and hiding the two shoulder buttons on the inside rail. It's just genius, and everything works like it should. And launching with Breath of the Wild, which is, again, a game that reminded so many people why they care about Nintendo and care about Zelda, it was just like a relief when the Switch came out as a Nintendo fan to just see the instant success. And it's just been a joyride the last five years, just following how, how huge of a hit this thing has been. Yeah, it, it is interesting looking back and seeing how, how little I really cared about Nintendo yeah. at the time. Because, I, you know, I was playing my 3DS, but I picked that thing up on launch and, you know, played it throughout 2011, 2012, 13, 14. But once you got into 2015 and 2016, I really wasn't playing it too often. A Pokemon game would come out and I'd play that. But, you know, I was relatively unplugged from a lot of games that were coming out for 3DS as well. And then Wii U, no one I knew had a Wii U. It just, it just wasn't around ever. Like it was so easy to just not pay attention to that because nobody was playing it. But at the same time, I think it really helped them out with the Switch. Not only because, you know, you take the idea of the gamepad and bringing it over to the Switch and, you know, it's the next evolution of what that idea was. But I feel like the failure of the Wii U allowed them to set up a really strong first year of the Switch because the Wii U did yeah. so poorly that they could have, they easily were able to be like, we're, we're done. We're abandoning this thing. Here's Breath of the Wild when it comes out, but that's it. And then they could focus all of their efforts on getting these games ready for the Switch and having a year, a launch year, where you have Zelda, Splatoon, Mario Kart, Mario Odyssey. Uh, Xenoblade came out that year as well. Mm -hmm. Just to have all of those games come out within the first year is crazy. Yeah. And even some smaller things like ARMS, which sold decently. A new IP, tried something new. Yeah, a couple other things came out that year as well. 2017 was just like, yeah, huge comeback. Awesome lineup. But this year could surpass it. This year, I really think, could end up being the best software year for this thing. We'll see. But 2022, just it feels massive. Yeah. And we, there's still games that we might not know about yeah. yet. I mean, we just figured out the Pokemon was going to be coming out this winter, and yeah. that was just a couple of days ago. So there's still a lot of stuff that we might not know yet. Zelda, I don't know if that's coming out this year or not. Still yeah. a lot of uh, unanswered questions. Uh, for the Switch, I know that when it was coming out, the power was was a big deal. You know, you had, mm -hmm. the, had the PS4 and an Xbox One out, and we knew that next gen was going to be coming you know sometime in the near future it's like how is this thing going to perform and now that we're five years in what are your thoughts on that performance of the uh of, of the switch both when it first came out and now as we sit in a world where the ps5 and xbox series exist while the switch is still rolling along strong i think it's fine uh, still at this point <laughs> uh i mean it's not great 
Nintendo games generally run great. They yeah. run extremely well. And yeah, the Switch has much better third-party support. But I think the difference is, with the Wii U, the install base was so low, it wasn't worth any companies making original games for it to take advantage of the hardware, because no one would buy it. So you had these really terrible versions of like Assassin's Creed, Mass Effect, Call of Duty. You don't have that on Switch. You have third parties making games for Switch, like things like Triangle Strategy, a Switch exclusive, things like Mario plus Rabbids. Like Ubisoft isn't putting every Assassin's Creed, they're putting legacy games on there now that apparently run like trash. Uh, but <laughs> you have these, these developers making games for this machine just because of how many units are out there. So I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's starting to feel like time for a little performance boost. I mean, Switch Especially when you have the, the disparity between docked and handheld. Yeah. I feel like a lot of games will still run fine enough in docked, especially Nintendo games. But sometimes with these games, you play them in handheld and, and you can tell they're kind of bursting at the chug. seams in some places. Yeah. But for the, for the games I play on Switch... I think it's still fine, but I'll be ready when something comes along. I'm not expecting the next thing to be even sniffing PS5 Series X performance, but if it just is that boost up where you can get things running comfortably at 60 FPS, hopefully I'll take a locked 30, that would be good enough for me. For Because Nintendo just has, they know their own hardware so well, and usually their games look fantastic um, for what they're working with. Zach, what are your thoughts on that? I think that the the Switch currently does have the capability of having games that look really good. Like, even Monster Hunter Rise runs and oh, looks yeah. great for being a Switch game. Like, it blew us away because we didn't expect it to look and run as well as it did. So, the capability is there, but, yeah, pushing you know, the five-year mark, we're at a place where the PS5 and the Xbox Series S are demolishing graphics and load times and all that stuff, and obviously the Switch and probably its successor aren't going to be built the same way to do that type of thing, but you know, pushing it little by little to make it easier to... Because they're porting the crap out of games to the Switch that just, like, Witcher 3, something like... Those mm -hmm. games were not meant to yeah. be on Switch. They shouldn't be on Switch. Um, so I guess that they're going to keep doing it. They should probably be pushing their hardware uh, a little bit more um, going forward. Um, and yeah, coming up on the five-year mark, it is a lot of switches are are hitting the, hitting a wall like Logan Switch, and my I hit I got hit by Joy-Con drift pretty hard over the past <laughs> four years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, hopefully there's still some kinks to work out to optimize the Switch, but for what it is, it's actually pretty good. Metroid Dread looks gorgeous. Just it, came out. It was incredible looking. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mario Party Superstars, like, weirdly looks amazing. Like, some of those minigame settings, are just like, yeah, like, that the, is so the cake, pretty. The cake level with the toys, that I, yeah. that's a great-looking level. Yeah. So I'm still happy with it, but I'm definitely... I'm not itching to see what's next, but I'll be ready when it comes. Yeah. Uh, when we've been talking about the Switch Pro over the last year and change, for me, it's never, never super been about resolution. Basically, I'm just like, if you can give me... 1080p with 60 fps from whatever the switch pro was going to be at the time i would have been over the moon yeah that's all i really wanted and now if you're doing a second uh, a second iteration where you would assume it's a bigger step up yeah. than say just a pro model would be if you give that and then some sort of option for a 
4K upscaling or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be perfect. I think that would be the perfect situation for it. Because, yeah, like, if you think you can tell a difference between 1440p and true 4K, eh, I think you're kidding yourself. Maybe I just don't have the eye for that, but, like, games on my Series S look just as sharp to me as, as PS5 games. Like, I can't personally tell a difference. So, yeah, like, upscale 1440p. Docked only. Don't give me a 4K handheld yeah. screen. That would <laughs> destroy that. the battery life and jack up the <laughs> price. So just 1080p and handheld. Right now it's only 720. So I think a 1080p screen would be really nice. Yeah, so there's definitely some improvements. And then, of course, yeah, the Joy-Cons. It's it's kind of baffling yeah. that it doesn't seem like they've really addressed that at all. Yeah. And, Do you have and to be frankly, unex- uh, I think so. Okay. I... Again, I play in handheld very little, and now yeah. that I have a pro controller, uh, I don't use my Joy-Cons very often, but I do remember that the last time I played it in handheld, there were some weird inputs uh, coming out of one of my <laughs> yeah. Joy-Cons, so I kind of have a feeling that something's going a little bit weird uh, yeah. with those. It has been a while. I picked it up in its first year, um, but on, on the flip side of that, I play it in handheld relatively infrequently, so I can't even imagine what it's like for people that our majority handheld, what they're having to deal with, yeah. with some of the, I mean, I assume they're going to be having a lot more Joy-Con problems than I am. Um, but that's something that definitely needs to be addressed whenever the next thing comes around. Cause that'd be frankly unacceptable if you're dealing with the exact same issue on your next iteration. If it's it should have been fixed same. with the OLED. It really should have been fixed when that came out. Should have been like Joy-Con 2. Yeah. But with Switch 2, Joy-Con 2. And yeah, please. Yeah. We are talking about, uh, talking about this year maybe rivaling or exceeding the uh, that first year of of the switch with everything that came out for it we've also been talking about how long we think it's going to be lasting i think i put it around two years before we're going to get something for the next console what do you what are you guys thoughts on when we can see the successor and just how much life the the original model switch has left in it yeah two years yep. i said earlier on the show i think fall 23 spring 24 is when we'll see the switch too which which will be a good life cycle for this original. It's, that's a good cycle, seven years. And like we said, it doesn't have to necessarily come out at the end of the Switch's life. It Switch could still be supported up to a couple years after the Switch 2 its, uh, it's release. So yeah, maybe two pushing three years, I'd say. What are you guys' thoughts on, on how the library's going to do this? This year looks great. It doesn't look like they're going to be slowing down anytime yeah. soon. I think they're ramping up. Yeah, you don't have a year like this, I guess, in a console's final year. I just don't think so. I don't know. I guess PS4 had a heck of a year before the PS5 came out with Final Fantasy VII, Last of Us Two, Ghost. Like that was huge. So I mean, and then when the PS5 came out, it was still getting yeah, it just kept PS5 rolling. games. So yeah, but this year yeah, I just can do it. I just can't even believe it. It's like it makes sense. Twenty twenty and twenty one were lighter than I think they were supposed to be because of the pandemic. And now it's like, hey, these games are done now, and they're all coming out this year is definitely what it feels like. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to play some of this stuff. Like, we're, we're about to do our top 10. A year from now, it could look different. If Kirby's as good as I hope it is, if Mario Strikers is the best Mario sports game in like a decade, which it very well could be, given that it's coming from next level, if Breath of the Wild 2 is everything it could be, this, this list could be entirely different in, in a year from now, which is super exciting. Yeah, like we did uh, a couple of weeks ago on episode 200, looking back at old lists. <laughs> once, once the Switch finally reaches uh, 
complete end of life, it'll be fun to go back to these lists and see how much has changed. Last thing before we get into our top Switch games so far. Where is the Switch on your Nintendo console hierarchy? Logan, you want to go first? You are the biggest Nintendo fan out of us, I think. I do. I have big, big announcement to make. Recently decided... The Switch has overtaken the Wii U. It's my favorite Nintendo <laughs> the console. The Wii U was the, it still was, was okay. a high bar, uh-huh. a really yeah. high bar. And in not terms only of that, library and features. The Switch is my favorite console of all time. It's between handhelds, home consoles. The Switch, I think, is my favorite device I've ever had. I mean, just thinking about it, thinking back about this library we're about to talk about. These series I've grown up playing that have like their best entries on Switch, like almost all of them across the board. The best game is on Switch for these franchises. It's just crazy. And then just the merging of the handheld and home console market has made this library so strong. Like not having, oh, a Zelda's coming out on 3DS next month, and then there's a Mario on Wii U, and it's like just constantly bouncing back and forth. It's like, it's all here. And that was a concept we'd been excited about for a long time before the Switch, just to see everything coming out in one place it's just the it's the best Nintendo's been. Yeah, the the virtual console, there's room for improvement. The online, there's yes. some issues, but <laughs> from like a pure like exclusive standpoint, it's my favorite library of games. I love the hardware. Uh, it's kind of merged with I mean, hanging out with you guys, playing games on Switch like Zach, getting closer playing Breath of the Wild, and then also just podcasting and covering games in the industry has been intertwined with the Switch release. My first E3 I went to was when Odyssey was announced and like officially revealed the title and the gameplay reveal and Metroid Prime 4 was revealed and just all the all these things that are really intertwined with the Switch for me. So it's my number one. Zach, how about you? I had a great time with the Wii. I really love the Wii. We know that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate the Wii. I will concede that the Wii has some pretty bad games. I think that the Switch is probably, at this point, my favorite Nintendo console just by the sheer amount of fantastic games I've been able to play on it. Um, I've loved my time with the Switch, and, you know, I haven't had a crazy amount of Nintendo consoles in the past, a lot of handheld stuff, and Wii for the most part, uh, which which I did really enjoy at the time. Um, Yeah, but the Switch just kind of blows them all out of the water. It is so great console i think it is number one for me as well i think my ranking at least the top three um for home consoles would be switch gamecube and wii the the consoles that i've owned you know and then i had ds and 3ds and you know loved those systems for what they were um and and with the gamecube it's a little bit different because as a kid you only get to play so many games in the library because it's like oh you know birthday present or christmas or something like that or you save up all your money for one game so it's harder to experience a, a wider variety of games in that library. And I think the GameCube has a fantastic library of games, but I think the Switch is is outdoing it, especially because we're not even done with it yet. We still have an entire year of, of crazy games still coming out and at least another year or two of support beyond that uh, for it to keep on surpassing it. And just that that concept of, uh, of having handheld and home console all in one is still so cool. And yeah, I, I think it would be my favorite, possibly my favorite console of all time. It's Don't that know good yet for sure. But also, shout good. out to the GameCube. That'd be my my three behind the Wii U. Better games than the also Wii U. My, also but... my three. 
Yeah. GameCube's great. I Sucks that those games are uh, ridiculously expensive. They gotta, they gotta bring GameCube Please. to yeah. any sort of virtual console. NSO, like it hasn't shown up to anything yet. Not even they Wii U, have which had back. everything yeah. else except the GameCube. It's bizarre. It's weird. They, I, man, I hope that uh, before the Switch is done, they're gonna announce some sort of GameCube support because you have to assume that. NSO is going to have a, you know, complete carryover uh, to both systems and have, you know, interconnected abilities. GameCube's got to be there. I'd pay nah, a gross not. amount of money yearly for GameCube games on Switch uh, Online. Because, because you'd be paying no other an way even grosser amount yeah. uh-huh. to get the physical copies. If you were like yeah, Chibi I'd... Robo, Fire Emblem, dude, Double Dash is expensive. Like, just throw it all on there, please. Yeah, we don't need Genesis. We need no, GameCube. Good. <laughs> gonna get a GameCube Mini. It's gonna be like 150 oh bucks, God. and it's gonna sell out instantly. So yeah, can That'd you be so imagine cute. the? It'll be adorable. Uh, it's a little box. The scalpers on that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into our top tens. Before we get into the actual top ten list, uh, like we've done in the past, where uh, we all make a top ten list and then we kind of combine it all into one list for the show. Uh, we each have uh, a couple of honorable mention games that we'll mention before we get into the actual. Ode to Games list uh, for top 10 Switch games. Zach, you want to go first with your uh, three honorable mentions? My first honorable mention is Donkey Kong Trop- Country Tropical Feast, which was a Wii U game, but I played it on the Switch, and I played it like a, a couple months ago with Logan, and I thought that it was absolutely fantastic. Great level design, great style, extremely fun gameplay, especially when you're bouncing around as Cranky Kong, which is now a top-tier video game character <laughs> in my go. mind. Um, so that was an, uh, absolute, uh, ton of fun playing. Um, and then secondly, Monster Hunter Rise, of course, my most played Switch game coming in at like, probably like a hundred and some odd hours at this point. I don't actually know. Not, not terribly high over a hundred hours, but still decently in the lead for being my most played Switch game. Um, and of course it's Monster Hunter. A lot of fun. We've had our grabs with the game, but still an absolute ton of fun to play. And we still go back and play it occasionally. So expansion's coming out soon. Super and Sunbreak exciting. already out according to a glitch in the game. Yep. <laughs> There's a typo in the latest patch, and it's like, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is now available. And oh, then they oh tweeted God, about yeah. it, and they were like, uh, this People was supposed to say out. soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. not in there. Shadow Drop. It's yeah. out. Yeah. I, I, I didn't expect it to come out. All right, and then my last honorable mention is Fire Emblem Three Houses, the first Fire Emblem, and still currently the only Fire Emblem that I have played. Uh, absolute ton of fun. Love the... Uh, the uh... <laughs> Logan is holding it up, and I was... Yeah, watch was the video version. The See your favorite box art watch the of video our version. top 10. <laughs> and I just love the, the ability to... Hanging off the top. Yep. Upside yeah. down. Oh, that's the, the guy I chose, for the, the school, the Same. golden deer. Uh, which was the best choice. So yeah, a lot of fun playing that game. A really fun tactical RPG that is apparently much more lenient than other Fire Emblem games. Very much. Which, which I will experience shortly as I play Fire Emblem Awakening and potentially Shadow Dragon. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I you forgot just bought it on DS. I, ju- I just bought Shadow Dragon on DS at a pawn shop for a pretty good deal. How much was that? Pretty $38 for just the cartridge. But it's Not like bad. a... I think it's hundred dollars so in box on eBay online. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Talk about talk about some pickups later in the show. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Logan, your uh, three honorable mentions. Yeah, I just want to talk on Zach's real quick. I I had an interesting. So for how we do these, we each rank our own individual top ten, 
and then I compile them together to a composite list, and then we each get some honorable mentions based on what didn't make it. I had a Wii U, so I think weirdly about a lot of the games that were on Wii U, so I kind of decided, unless the Switch version made extremely meaningful changes, it wasn't going to make my top 10. So something I don't even have in my honorable mentions, something like Captain Toad, I freaking love that game, but to me it's more of a Wii U game than a Switch game. Same with Tropical Freeze, it totally would have made my list, but the the Switch version changed course, nothing yes. except for it funky modes. It changed its mode. price tag. <laughs> yeah, its price tag. <laughs> Ten dollars uh, yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, but I love I love Donkey Kong and Monster Hunter Rise. I liked Fire Emblem. That was pretty good. So good pick, Zach. My three honorable mentions: Splatoon Two, one of my favorite E10 and Up games ever. I just saw that it's rated E10 and Up. Wait, on the box, Strikers. Wait, it was the, no, the original Strikers wasn't, was it? I don't know. I think only Charged was. Okay. I don't think E10 Plus existed with the original. <laughs> <laughs> it's a T for team. What a great Mario Strikers is T. Uh, yeah, but I love Splatoon <laughs> Two. Improved upon the original in every way. I have great memories playing Salmon Run with Kevin that first summer it came out. Right after he got his Switch. Uh, yeah, super excited for Splatoon 3. Really, my only gripes with Splatoon still at this point are just the multiplayer options, hopping into matches together. Those the lobbies were of that. stupid. They're really dumb, so please <laughs> fix that Splatoon 3. But just the core gameplay, the Octo expansion is outstanding single-player campaign. So yeah, Splatoon 2 took a really solid foundation from the Wii U one and, and made, it, made it like a must-play in my mind. Mario Party Superstars, rated E. Uh... Talked about this Thanks one a lot for providing recently. The rating for anyone that wants to buy it but is not sure if they rated are e for legally able to. Yeah, it's the further away we get from kind of that period where I was obsessed with Mario Party again and playing like every day, the more I it cemented as this is the best Mario Party has ever been. Uh, so definitely worth picking up if you've ever enjoyed a Mario Party. This is the best one out there, which I never thought I'd be able to say based on the last decade of the series. So just another cool comeback on Switch. Just another series that had a total revival and comeback. Even Super Mario Party was decent, but then this just blew even that out of the water. So, that's a really good one. And then Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I really like this game. It is a really solid prequel to Breath of the Wild. The gameplay is way more engaging than really any other Warrior-style game I've ever played. Just the way it incorporates the stuff from Breath of the Wild, like the Sheikah Slate runes, the different weapon types... It's just really unique, has a pretty cool story, and the roster is a lot of fun. So it definitely kind of tided me over uh, the Zelda fixin' a couple years ago when it first came out. Rated T for Teen. Thanks for providing the yeah. rating. Three <laughs> different ratings for my three want. honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, my first honorable mention is uh, a set of games, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and 2. It was a little difficult because, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 1 obviously came out on the Wii and... Oh, it's rated T for those you are not watching the, the video version and can't see him uh, holding it up. Yep. Um, but, you know, that has a lot of its identity on Wii and it also came out on 3DS. And I do think that the Switch really upgrades that game. It makes it look, it look good because that original version on Wii looks really rough. And the uh, extra content that they added was uh, was really good. I really enjoyed that. But. Uh, I had to pair it with two because I also love Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Not as much as the first one. I think the first one is a better story. But two definitely is still incredible with the world that it creates and these wide open environments that you can just go and explore. And the verticality of some of these areas uh, is is fantastic and a great game to have within the first year of the Switch. Yeah. Uh, and it was 
you know, kind of a, a also kind of a big comeback for Xenoblade. I know that X came out on, on Wii U, but I, I think Xenoblade 2 really kind of set it up for success. And then Definitive Edition came out and now 3 is on the way. And Torna? Um, in between those? And Torna. Yeah, Torna was great too. Yeah, their expansions and, and, uh, and side things are, are great too. So highly recommend Xenoblade 1 and 2, especially if you're interested in 3. Uh, which go, looks go like it connects both of them, which is interesting. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I was waiting for Shulk to show up in the second one. <laughs> Logan, you kept saying, oh, yeah, you know, I heard he was going to show up or something. Dude, and, I yeah, swear. It, he's not in Torna? Don't think so. I feel like I would have noticed that. Huh. Yeah, yeah I he was there. Um, second honorable mention, Valhalla. It's, it's a game that you can play on PC as well. But in terms of visual novels, I think it is... A very high quality. I really enjoy the bartending aspect of it and making the drinks for these people, whatever they want. It's a nice kind of balance um, with the visual novel aspect so that you're doing something else. And uh, highly recommend it if you're at all into visual novels. And a sequel is on the way sometime in the near future. And I'm very excited for it. And then last, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I was one of the people that did not play mario kart on wii that is on wii u that is e it is e it's rated e <laughs> great um so when mario kart 8 deluxe came out it was it was a brand new game for me like it was it was huge it, because you had the main games tracks and then you had all the dlc tracks it was a massive mario kart game and beyond double dash's uh two rider mechanic i think uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is by far the most complete uh, Mario Kart game that there is. Bringing back the battle mode, having all of these different tracks. The character roster has some weird, <laughs> weird characters, uh, but it does have a relatively high variety, a lot of characters there, even if some of them are kind of throwaway. But I think in terms of the overall package that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe provides, especially now that the the booster course pass is coming out. Unreal ton of new tracks uh just the the value that you're getting out of this game is is crazy and it still looks fantastic even though it came out on wii u years ago the game still looks fantastic mario kart 8 absolutely a top 10 game for me it's like in my top 15 of all time but i just didn't put it in because of my wii u rule even though the new battle mode is great it's a really great fix from the wii u version but yeah zach zach just picked up mario kart and so we've been playing that a little bit this week it's been super. You're a lot of the fun. reason it keeps on selling. I bought it in preparation five years for the in. DLC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, be a lot of tracks, which yeah. will me interested. That's starting this month, right? Yeah, two weeks. March. Yep. Two weeks. That's crazy. It's great that they were able to be like, "Hey, this is coming out like next month." Yeah. I'm yeah, gonna have to drop another twenty, twenty-five. 25. No, I just dropped sixty. It's a lot of yeah. tracks, though. That's true. It's going to be over a couple of years. All right. Do we want to hop into the actual top 10 list that we have here? Let's do it. All right. So uh, each one of us will be will be taking each each one of these. So I've got number 10. It's my pick. Bug Fables. This is another one that you can play on PC. Originally came out on PC. But I think because of its influence uh, from Paper Mario, I think that it fits incredibly well on Switch. Especially when you have Origami King to compare it to. If I had to recommend one of these, I would recommend Bug Fables any day of the week over Origami King. Uh, Bug Fables takes everything that was great about Paper Mario with its combat mechanics, its quick time events, and and that world 
uh, feel that it created with its paper idea and just is kind of the natural evolution of what it should have been before they went off and did their own things with, you know, Super Paper Mario and then Sticker Star and just off way off in the left field doing whatever. I think this is the iteration that people were waiting for after Thousand Year Door with its changes to the combat system of being able to um, have the three party members uh, have different power based on where they were on the battlefield, being able to give certain characters attacks. Just the tactics that you were able to do with Bug Fables felt like the next step from uh, the Thousand Year Door. I think that it helps that you don't have a silent protagonist, that all three of these characters can talk which means that they can they can actually interact with the story a lot more than Mario could, where he's just there and then, you know, the other characters will talk for him. I think that is a really nice addition. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, having badges coming back, having an optional difficulty level where if you want it to be a, you know, a nice comfy romp through, you can do that. But they also have, you know, the difficulty badge where you can ramp it up really hard, but also get rewards from it as well. The, the wealth of side stuff, you know, you've got the cooking is back. They have a card game in there as well. It is incredibly feature complete uh, with a great cast of characters, great story, great combat. Uh, if you've been missing out, if you've been missing Paper Mario since the GameCube days and didn't realize Bug Fables was a thing, you should definitely check it out because it's fantastic. It's on Game Pass too, not just Switch. Yeah. On Game Pass. It is. Which is where I will play and it Logan's going to be playing it this year, right? Yep. Absolutely. Very excited for that. Logan, you got number nine? Yeah, my number nine, or our number nine, is Luigi's Mansion 3. This game really blew me away. Like, it's just, it's not quite to that Odyssey level of pure joy, but it's pretty close. Where it's just like, it is so well designed, so tight, so creative and fun the whole way through. Luigi is the perfect protagonist for this kind of game. Just his scaredy cat nature is hilarious. Polter Pup is super cute. I didn't play Dark Moon, so I'd never seen him before <laughs> until this game, and he's funny. I love E. Gad. He's one of the best Mario Universe characters that barely ever shows up, but I think he's hilarious when he does. And then just the different levels, the different floors of this hotel. Something I heard about Dark Moon was that it never got as wacky as this game does. Like you got a pirate ship. You got a movie studio. You got so many crazy different things to do. And just the, it's a gorgeous game too. The graphic quality is incredible. The animations are next level, pun intended, next level games. But huh, yeah. Making good games. Yeah. Just really, really love this game. It's one of the Switch's best. Clearly it's on our list. And Guiji's a great mechanic too. How that totally changes puzzle solving when you can pop out your second Guiji who has really good skills that Luigi doesn't have, like popping through grates, but is vulnerable to water, which gives him just a really fatal flaw that really forces you to think. I just think it's such a smart, fun game that really surprised me with how much I loved it. I picked it up on launch, played. it came out on Halloween, super fun thing to play on Halloween, and just the quality was just at a much higher level than I thought, not having a ton of experience with this series before. Yeah, I picked up Luigi's Mansion 3 on launch as well. I played the original on GameCube and enjoyed the original a lot. Never played Dark Moon on 3DS, although I do own it now. Um, Same. But yeah, I, I think in that original game, it was very grounded where you are in this mansion. It is a very traditional style of mansion. You know, you have uh, the kitchen area, the bathroom, the... Um, you know, the, the, the chill out room with the Balcony. pool table and everything like that balcony, like a very, a very traditional mansion. I think it was a great idea here to have this kind of hotel design 
where you're going up these floors and each floor is something entirely new and it doesn't feel like they're really constrained by a you know an an old design of a mansion it is Mm -hmm. its own thing and you don't know what's coming next for each floor and each floor provides something entirely new and super cool it never really outstayed its welcome it looks fantastic yeah i love luigi's mansion 3 a lot and just the act of using the vacuum is just so satisfying just sucking up all the money particle effects and everything everything. yeah yeah and just how they litter these rooms with so much stuff to just suck up. And they're like, yeah, they know it's fun. And it's just everything. Curtains. Yeah. And the combat's solid, too. It's not, like, fantastic. I think the puzzle solving is stronger than a lot of the combat in the game. But just it's just super fun start to finish. Great game. Zach, our eight. All right. Coming in at number eight is Celeste. Uh, Celeste is an incredible incredible 2d platformer back from 2018 made by extremely okay games creators of extremely okay it is an extremely okay (laughs) game and they they made towerfall which which towerfall uh, is also great which is also an extremely okay game that influence shines through here based on the movements of madeline the main character and i think one of the driving points of this game is the character arc that Madeline goes through as she progresses through the game and her journey of self-discovery as she climbs this mountain is extremely impactful and uh, is one of the best parts of this game. But that being said, the 2D platforming is also absolutely incredible. The dash mechanic that is taken directly from Towerfall makes for an incredible... Uh, use of level design that is based around this mechanic where you can go at insane angles and try and maneuver your way around different obstacles and I may have beaten this game but Logan put a lot of blood, sweat and tears (laughs) into completing this game on every every difficulty so uh, what do you have to say about your journey with Celeste? Celeste is I think it's the best 2d platformer ever made i really do i don't think there's anything that tops it in that space it is just a treat to look at the pixel art is gorgeous it has one of the best soundtracks in gaming like it is such a vibe and then the chill tracks on the a sides and then the intensity of the b and c sides it's it just brilliantly fits the mood of each level and then just the platforming is so tight it's constantly growing and learning new things you can get through the base game pretty easy, like just the main eight levels, but then there's strawberries to collect, which are a super big challenge, and then the B and C sides will just kick your butt, and I love that. I love that, but then if you just want to experience the levels, there's crazy difficulty options. You can give Madeline infinite dashes. You can just slow down the speed of the game by like 10, 20, 30%, whatever you want, so you still have to perform all the same actions. You just have more time to do it, and that's great. And then the story is phenomenal. Like 2D platformers, some Metroidvanias do, but just like straight up 2D platformers don't typically have a narrative like this that's really well told, not too chatty, super memorable characters. It's like a perfect game. I don't think there's anything that I would change about Celeste. And yeah, you guys know I love uh, bashing my head against a wall difficulty. And this has that. Zach watched me play Chapter 9 for hours uh, and watched me ultimately triumph and yeah celeste it's a masterpiece if you like platformers at all you owe it to yourself to play this one and again it's one you can play anywhere it's on every console and pc but handheld mode feels great it feels like a switch game Uh, that's why it didn't appear on our ps4 list it certainly feels like a switch game 
played it on Switch exactly. as well. Oh. I need to get back to it at some point. <laughs> oh, you started Wait, it? I didn't remember I did. that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a while. It's probably been over a year since I started it. Long but, time. Uh, you know, enjoy what I played. But again, I'm not I, I'm not the biggest fan of 2D platformers. So, yeah. you know, it takes a lot to bring me in. But you guys love it a lot. So I'll have to give it a try at some point again. Get back into it. Like we said, it's pretty digestible to get through the first set of levels and like that the actual story. Yeah, yeah. It didn't yeah. take a lot out of me. And I yeah. love games that you can beat in like ten hours, and then if you really vibe with it, you're like, I can play it for thirty more. Like Odyssey is totally like that, which we may talk about later. And Celeste is totally like that too. Like you can beat this game in a few hours, but then you and set it down and be perfectly happy with your experience. Or you'd be like, yeah, I, I kind of hate myself. I want to subject myself to the punishment that lies deep within this game. And you can do that. And it's some of the best level design of all time. And I can't wait to see what they do next. I think it's going to be more of a Metroidvania. So we'll see how that goes. Speaking of Metroidvania, right, Zach, you got our number seven as well. <laughs> number seven. Speaking of Metroidvanias, we have Metroid Dread, a very recent addition to this list. Um, because it only came out not that long ago. October? October? Yeah. Came out in October, um, and this was my introduction into the the Metroid series, and gosh golly, was it a fantastic game. I believe you called it a 2.5D platformer? Yeah, I think so. Um, yes, it is a Metroidvania-style game, so it does require backtracking and platforming, um, but it is absolutely gorgeous. The dynamic 3D-ish esque backgrounds um going on behind you as you move through these different areas the absolutely buttery smooth gameplay of playing as samus um, and her maneuverability through these areas and then the uh, incredible enemies like the emmys that stalk you throughout the game uh wonderful the boss fights uh very unique intuitive very very good uh the story uh, you know not a crazy great story but good for what it was not the highlight but also not you know in the way of anything just a, a very great package as a entry into the series um, which i'm sure it was for a lot of people um it even started off with a recap because the switch you know attracts new players to these series yeah um, it doesn't like it provide a me. way for people to play the old ones. exactly so <laughs> that's why they got to put those little recaps at the beginning because that's the only way to get the prior information um, but yeah, this game, absolutely incredible, uh, not not insanely long, but a, a fairly challenging, although I do believe they added an easy difficulty recently. Yeah, they just did, at the Direct. Because um, it was a fairly challenging game, um, which which re received a little bit of criticism for people who got stonewalled partway through, but uh, definitely a lot of fun regardless um, if you're up to the challenge. The game that finally got me into metroid god finally it's like the big right. nintendo series i never cared about and every a ton of people i respect are just like man mario zelda and metroid i'm like yeah i love two out of three of those but i just never cared about metroid but you know, this is the one people say that so many times about different series like this is the one to get into the series it's true with dread like it is just so well designed the backtracking feels natural and then samus actually feels as powerful as I think you've always heard she is. People are like, oh, she's like one of the biggest badasses in gaming. She's so strong and powerful. And it's like, but she just controls so poorly in the old games. And in this game, she just 
you you feel super powerful with with everything you get, how it controls, how it feels. But the boss fights are really hard, but they're really good. So yeah, this this is a must play too on Switch and best selling Metroid of all time, most likely. Yeah, it's almost caught up to Switch Prime. Will do that. Yeah, it will. Great game. Yeah. Number six, Logan. Got this one. The Odie's Game of the Year 2021, Great Ace Attorney Ooh. Chronicles. Oh, yeah. What, what? You know. You know I love this game. You know Kevin know. loves this game. It's the best Ace Attorney ever. It's the best game in my favorite series. And playing it on Switch was super fun. Got to play Ace Attorney on the television for the first time, which was super cool. And, yeah, you can play this. No strings attached to the rest of the series. Zach's going through the whole thing anyways, but you could just <laughs> yeah, jump no into way. these. Yeah I, yeah, I only played the first trilogy, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't even need that to play this one. You'll pick up a couple of things, but you know, I played through this without without playing the second set of games, and had a fantastic time with it. Yeah, we talked about it a lot on the Odie's episode. We've talked about this one a lot recently, so we don't need to stick around on it too long. But yeah, my favorite game in my favorite series obviously warrants a spot on the list. Yeah, great game, great. Uh, yeah, best Ace Attorney game, specifically the second one. The The first one has its bumps along the way, but I think it was vital for the second game because it, you know, put, totally. you know, set up so many things that were able to be paid off in the second game, but just the cohesion of that entire story of certain characters' arcs and some of the cases that you had to go through were fantastic. Love that game. Super good. Number five, that's me. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Oh, so yeah. yeah, Super Mario 3D World is... You know, a very a very similar game beyond the fact that all the characters are so much faster, which is a very interesting change that they made. It's to way the better. Version. It feels so good. Um, <laughs> as someone who didn't play the Wii U version like at all, Switch version feels pretty good. <laughs> um, but on the on the Wii U side of things, we all played through Super Mario 3D World together, and that was a super fun experience. Uh, you know, the the internet had some issues at times, <laughs> but. Just when you got to the actual gameplay of sitting down and playing with um, with a group of people uh, was super fun. And I remember playing uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii with multiple people, and that was just an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, this one can kind of be like that sometimes, but I feel like it's it's a little bit more open areas really help to, uh, to – to make that multiplayer feel a little bit better and not just like everyone's just bouncing on top of each other all the time. Instead of blast running through it with you guys and, and uh, you know, watch Zach die a bunch. And it was just a great I time. Drifts. Really good platforming. I, I yeah, the joint the contract. Drifts. I forgot you had to deal with that. <laughs> My fault. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, coming from 3D Mario and, and going to this and having an essence of 3D Mario, but having the more tight platforming and, and tight level design of, uh, of some of the past Mario games is a, uh, is a really nice mix that I uh, appreciate a lot uh, playing 3D World. What are you guys' thoughts on it? For uh, Just the uh, the 3D World aspect of when we all played it together. I thought it was a ton of fun playing it with you guys. The level design was really great. I love the variations of the different worlds, and I realized that I can't do multiplayer platforming because I just like to blaze a trail and go way too far ahead of everybody. Yeah, just leaving us in the dust and then die. I had a very similar experience playing Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze where I yeah. would just bounce too far ahead. Um, but still, regardless, a absolute ton of fun. Great game. Uh, played some of Bowser's Fury, not a whole lot of it. Liked what I did play of it, but yeah. 
very enjoyable. So thrilled this game finally did make it over to Switch. And with the changes that it got, I, I said earlier, I only put Wii U games on my list if they had huge changes. And even the 3D World content alone, Bowser's Fury aside, like the sped up characters feels outstanding. And online play is huge, especially in the pandemic era when this thing launched. It, it was a necessity. And so to be able to play that with you guys when I was in Montana, Zach was in in Washington, and Kevin's across in Japan, like, super fun <laughs> to be able to play that. And some of Nintendo's best level design. There is so much creativity in 3D World. The music, outstanding. I love the double cherries are super cool that clone you. I love the rhythm ones where the, the blocks change depending on the beat of the music. Like, there's just so many glorious levels and... The bonus levels get really hard, which I appreciate. And Bowser's Fury, Kev, is Bowser's Fury, awesome. fantastic. That was that was the reason that I bought it. Honestly, like 3D World was was a great bonus to have, but I really wanted that 3D Mario, and it felt like an evolution of what Odyssey was, yeah. where it's completely open and you're going along, and, it, and you know it. It kind of brings you along to each of these areas but you can always go back and there's always something new to experience and the way that they change up each of the areas where you'll go through and you'll get the the uh the cat shine there and mm -hmm. then you'll go to the next area and then you'll come back and they just have an entirely new challenge for you to do sometimes reusing things or sometimes feeling completely different than uh than what you were playing before um bowser could get old at times especially yeah. at the end but even at the beginning, the spectacle of it was super cool. And even even when you're later on in the game, just seeing him, you know, kind of in the horizon when you're playing and seeing him kind of, you know, like move up and you're like, all right, now I got to gotta get moving here before he shows up was, was really cool. I don't know how much of this they're going to take into the next mainline Mario because I feel like a lot of the designs that it has it benefits from the fact that it's kind of a side thing and that it doesn't last too long. I, mm -hmm. I could see this style of game getting a you know a little bit old if, if it's stretched out over a longer period of time but i do hope that they take some of its design along with odysseys for whatever comes next whether that's odyssey 2 or or, or something else in uh in 3d mario but bowser's fury was fantastic that's super cool because like it it is an evolution certainly of odyssey but really to me it's like if odyssey had a 3d world kingdom that's what this is because it has the 3D world obstacles and platforms and enemies and the cat suit. So it's like really, like you got this, you got all these kingdoms, the forest one, uh, the luncheon one. It's like, here's the 3D world kingdom. And that's just what it felt like. And those are my two favorite Mario games. So mashing them together is like this really cool experiment. It almost feels like something that would go unreleased. Like that they would just toy around with in preparation for the next Mario. But to make this and just throw it into what is, in my opinion, the second best Mario game behind another one on this list was just like, this is the complete package. It's a must-own if, if you like Mario platformers or whatever. Bowser's Fury was a blast, and Bowser looks cool as heck. Like, he's so cool in Bowser's Fury. I love that design. His kaiju design is just awesome. If there's ever another Smash, I want that to be his, his new final Smash. That would be cool. That would be so yeah. cool if that came back. Great game, yeah. Definitely, if you're into 3D Mario. Zach still needs to play Bowser's Fury. Yeah, it's not that long, Zach. You can finish it pretty fair. easily. I don't like it. <laughs> I hate it. Dang. Don't, I don't get you, Zach. Anyways, Zach, you've got number four. 
All right, coming in at number four, we have Golf Story, a game that we have actually all played um, and Hmm. extremely loved. Uh, Golf Story is a story-driven game based around extremely solid golf mechanics, uh, which are hard to find, Um, but this game is very charming. It does not take itself very seriously. It's uh, got some very comedic dialogue, um, some incredible sprite work, really fun, diverse courses. Um, It's just a really fun time uh and it it stays alive because it's got multiplayer where you can just hop in with a buddy and uh compete one-on-one uh going through the different courses which and we do regularly we do that we all do the time all the time yeah because it's a lot of fun um yeah this game still stands the test of time just because it's based around a very solid core mechanic um with a very beautiful art style yeah, it'll never Talking get a sequel. About... <laughs> no, it's never coming out. Merry Christmas. Work is ongoing, starting in the baby court. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I, I kind of liken this game to, to Bug Fables in a way, where Bug Fables was the progression of Paper Mario. Golf Story is the progression of those old Mario golf games on on GBA, or the tennis game as well, where they had these more intricate story modes with RPG mechanics and this feels like an, an evolution of that in some ways and in other ways an evolution that those games never would have taken in terms of, yeah, just how weird it gets with, you know, you've got the, the Frisbee mode, some of the comedy that they use in some of these characters. Uh, super great game. I love all the different courses. They all feel super distinct from one another. Um, you know, you have someone you know, in the sky on these canyons. You have one at the old folks home, the main regular golf course. Like a bunch of super varied courses and yeah, the, the gameplay of it, which holds it all together is incredibly solid and is fun to play just on its own. If you want to play it with people or by yourself and just mm-hmm. play around a golf, it is great for that too. Yeah. It is so hard for a game to make me laugh out loud. Like I just think just so many things about the nature of a gaming experience. It's hard to actually like have these comedic moments land, but golf story does it like, I think this game's just freaking hilarious. There's so many characters that are funny, so many moments that are funny, and what I appreciate about it is you just do the weirdest, most random things. You will fight a wizard, you will solve a murder, you will infiltrate a secret base and pick up snowballs randomly, and it all makes sense, which is just so impressive that they pulled that off, that you're never doing anything where you're like, yeah, this is weird that that's in this game. Maybe initially, like the first weird thing you do, you're like, Wait, what am I doing now? But after that, you're just kind of along for the ride. You never know what it's going to throw at you. And it just makes it a really enjoyable experience from beginning to end. Because some sports games can be like, hey, time to get out and play golf again. But this game is just, it's never like that. Because it really is golf story. It's not just golf. And it's not just this weird story. It's both. And there's no other game like this. Like like you said, Kev, it does things Mario would never do in a sports game with some of these random side activities that you have to do. And I just, I love the heck out of it for that. And sports story, it's going to take it to a whole new level eventually. So yeah, I can't wait to see what that is. There's like dungeons in sports story. It's like, what is that going to be? Baby court dungeon. Baby court. Yeah. Golf story. <laughs> Golf story rules. It's great. I am so excited for sports story whenever that yeah. thing comes out. Me too. But take all the time you need. If you've got all these great ideas that you didn't have the time to, to jam in, if you're releasing it now, feel free. Yeah. Because I'll be excited to play it whenever it comes out. Number three, we're into the top three. 
Planets. Logan, what do we got? It's the three big ones. I think it's what you'd probably expect uh, in some order to the be in the top order? three. Yeah. Uh, but our come number on, three is... <laughs> oh, come on, Sword. Let's the, go Pikachu. The launch title movie. itself, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Ooh. Man, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but when I was putting this list together, I mean, I have my faults with Breath of the Wild as a huge Zelda fan, things I'm not crazy about. But when it comes down to it, I mean, Switch, the system that saved Nintendo. This is this is the game that saved Nintendo. This is the game that made Nintendo matter again in 2017 when it came out. And I mean, there's a reason every game, every open world game is compared to this. Like, yeah, it might not be your favorite, but it took a lot of risks, did a lot of things that had never been seen before. Just what it did for exploration was so freeing for the open world genre that has honestly ruined a lot of these traditional open world games for me, like we've talked about. And just like, I think about the physics engine and like, there's so many solutions to every puzzle. Like if you think it should work, it does. I saw this crazy video of like this shrine that has all these pillars of fire. And this guy just had like an ice rod and he quickly shot it and he just sprinted through and he beat the shrine in like 20 seconds. It's like, I would never think to do that. But Nintendo thought of it. And if you think of it, it works. And it's just one of the coolest sandboxes ever for that reason alone. Just the sheer amount of possibilities are incredible. It almost makes me feel lame because I can't think of this stuff. I see this stuff on Twitter and I'm like, God, these people are incredible. And it's only, it's only possible because of this game. It's not a modded version. It's just the actual game itself that Nintendo built that reinvented a lot of open world conventions and Zelda itself. So it's just a super important game that I think had to be on our list. And you're seeing people come up with new stuff all the time. This is the yeah. stuff that, oh, yeah. like, people five knew when it came out. It's like, whoa, this is cool. Like, you can do this five, six years after the game comes out. It's like, wait a minute. Like, wait, I can use this this sword and create a, you know, a, a, a cold hole. patch and be able to walk, you know, run through this fire. Like, people are discovering new stuff all the time. And you see it on Twitter, and it's super cool. Yeah. Absolutely. And even if you don't love this game, you could sure respect it for the impact it's had on games moving forward and the gaming community as a whole, because holy crap, every game is now just a Soulsborne Breath of the Wild game, Elden Ring. But <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I, I personally really love Breath of the Wild. Um, I think it got a lot of things right, and I do respect all the, the risks that it took. Um, I of course have my gripes with it it's not my favorite zelda by any means um yeah. but definitely a great game it is kevin's favorite zelda experience he's had zelda's the only uh, breath of the wild is the only zelda game that i've ever beaten i've tried on several occasions i played part of wind waker put that down uh played some of skyward sword put that down and breath of the wild was the first zelda game that held my attention all the way until the conclusion of its main story and that has to say something, uh, and I'm and I'm sure that's why it sold so well. Because, you know, you've got the Zelda stalwarts that are always going to be there and always support the series, but then you've got other people that maybe are not interested in it, and this was the one that kind of brought them in and got them interested. And I wouldn't have thought that I'd be interested at all in, in the next Zelda that's coming out, but Breath of the Wild 2, whenever that does come out, I'll be picking it up because I enjoyed that original one a bunch exploring through that world, the climbing mechanic, even just the climbing mechanic opened things up to uh, really create your own story as you're going through. Uh, I remember when you guys were were first playing it back in 2017 and it was all about like, now oh, we're going north or like, oh, we're just going this way. And you're just kind of creating yeah. your own 
your own path forward. And I think that's something that when you look back on it, it's like, okay, it, you know, it's not as completely cohesive as some of these other games are. And just from start to finish, just a complete cohesive package with the dungeons, with everything there. But you can't ignore the fact that on that original playthrough, when you don't know what's going to happen and you're just creating the story, it really is like nothing else. It's just a brilliant foundation. Like, yeah, I missed the dungeon. I missed a more cohesive story. But that's stuff that can come in a sequel. When Nintendo set out to make this game with the goal being, you can do whatever you want in any way you want, in whatever order you want. And they did it. And it's brilliant. The the things they did to overcome with it, it's like, okay, we'll give you all your items on the Great Plateau, right? You get your stasis, magnesis, your bombs right away. And that's all you need. You can improve your stamina whenever you want. If you're creative enough with item gathering and stamina management, you can climb any mountain you want immediately. Like, you can go and into whatever direction you want. And, yeah, it shattered 3D Zelda conventions. But in reality, it's like a sequel to the first Zelda game on the NES, where you could just start in this world, go any direction you want, and see what happens. And it's really impressive for a game in 2017 when so many games just hold your hand to no, no end. Skyward Sword holds your hand to no end. And for them to just really take a step back and just shatter everything is just incredible. Like, that, nothing will ever live up to that first playthrough. Like you said, Kev. It's just amazing. And just the schoolyard vibes of like, oh, where did you go first? Oh, I found this? I didn't even know that existed. Other games don't have that. Because it's still all a pretty linear, critical path. But Breath of the Wild, you could play for 30 hours. I could play for 30 hours. And we could have seen entirely different things. And that is not something you can really say about any other game. Elden Ring appears to be that, which is pretty cool. Um, but beyond that, there's not many games you can say that about. And yeah, it's, it's probably the most important game Nintendo's ever made. Which is... A huge statement because they've made some of the most important games <laughs> in gaming history games over the years. <laughs> yeah, but I really I appreciate the hell out of Breath of the Wild more than I actually like it as a Zelda game. But I don't think you can complete a list without having that game on it. All right, top two. Here oh, we yeah. go. Number two, Super Mario Odyssey. Part oh, of yeah. that original launch year of the Switch in 2017. We all, me and uh, Logan went and picked it up at Walmart on launch night, and man, th- that some of my best memories playing games is from that launch. Yeah, Mario Odyssey is incredibly special. I love 3D Mario games, and going back to the 3D collection, especially for Galaxy, made me appreciate what Galaxy was trying to do with its more um, with its more linear level design. But man, Odyssey just completely blew me away in the in a similar way that breath of the wild did not completely but mario odyssey more in the sense of all of the captures and just completely changing the gameplay at any moment and that idea that that first playthrough you don't know which kingdom is coming next which also means you don't know what the next capture is going to be and you're not you don't know yet how the gameplay is going to completely change when you go to this new area and you're like oh i got to be this bulb now that can extend oh i got to be this tank Oh, I can be this flying bird randomly. I can be uh, the the cheap cheeps in the water. Like, there's so many different capture stacking abilities the in this. Is hilarious. And stacking the goombas. Yeah, it 
again, I feel like it's the same way with, with Breath of the Wild, where nothing's going to beat that initial playthrough of just the wonder of going to all these new places, discovering these new worlds, and discovering all the new captures was an incredible experience. And Cappy was a brilliant addition, not only in the capture ability itself, but in the abilities that it opened up for platform and being able to platform off of Cappy to do some of this crazy stuff that some people could do was wild. And yeah, Mario Odyssey, the best Mario has been. Yeah, much like how Breath of the Wild returned to classic Zelda roots, Mario Odyssey really feels like the natural extension of Mario 64. Like, they got away from that for a long time. Sunshine is a weird sequel to 64 with, with the jetpack, but it's to the same. But then the Galaxy Games 3D World are really nothing like 64. So for them to go back and say, you have these sandboxes about discovering stars, or in this case, moons. But instead of five in each level, there's a hundred in each level. It's just unreal. And never knowing what kingdom was coming next. And almost all of them being amazing there's a couple i don't love as much but for the most part they're all a blast in their own way new donk city is one of the best locations in a game ever it is so much fun to go around new donk city and then the ending which i still won't spoil because it is that good is my yeah, favorite ending of any video game of all time it is unbelievable i've long said if i could wipe one game from my memory to re-experience it it's super mario odyssey because it is some days I'm like, man, is that my favorite game of all time? No, it's not. But some days it feels close. Like, that game is so special. And, yeah, I, that weekend. I beat it in a weekend, and I think about that weekend all the time. Just like, man, nothing. No gaming experience lives up to that. How good that was the first time. That soundtrack, too. My oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Just some incredible tracks in there. Along with that ending area. Not only the music just heightened yeah. that, that whole thing. It's like a yeah. Sonic song. It totally feels like a Sonic Adventure 2 song <laughs> in the best way. Yeah, Mario Odyssey is absolutely incredible. And I, after Bowser's Fury came out as well, I just cannot wait for whatever comes next. I really hope that it is Odyssey 2, or at the very least, brings over the capture Me mechanic too. again. Because I feel like Mario is... He's not the same after it if they pull it away. Because it just opens up the game so much to all these different gameplay styles that i think it'd be crazy to get rid of it it was I a thing where it was like it comes back it was weird to see him capture the t-rex in that initial trailer <laughs> in 2017 but at the same time it's like yeah that works that feels like mario but it's totally new and you just can't tell me that nintendo doesn't innovate because they release the same series every year like look at odyssey it's completely unlike any other mario game Look at Breath of the Wild, completely unlike any other Zelda game. And the Switch is just magical like that. Like, there are so many series where it's like, they are at their best right now. I think we're about to see that with Kirby. I'll say it right now. I think the Forgotten Land's going to be the best Kirby game of all time. And the next game on the list, best game in that series, Metroid Dread, I think's the best Metroid game. Like, it's unreal, and Odyssey and Breath of the Wild are, like, the two biggest examples of that. Yeah, so good. Yeah. That first year of the Switch oh. was... <laughs> absolute insanity yeah just yeah hitting with every single big game love super mario odyssey yeah if you haven't played it zach. get on it zach my god do it's it. on my list i own it do it it's just sitting there it's that good we've reached it we've reached the definitive 
number one. Gee, I wonder what it is. The games. I wonder what it is. Say it on three. On three. Let's do it. Yes. Countdown, one, Kev. Two, three. Super, Super Smash, Smash Brothers, Brothers Ultimate. Ultimate. Oh yeah. There of it course. is. Of course, it was on my number one on my list. Number one on Zach's list. Did not make Kevin's list. Much like Odyssey. <laughs> I've only played did it for a couple of hours. List. <laughs> But yeah, def- the definitive Smash, obviously. It's it's just so good. Zach and I play it every time he comes up for multiple hours. We just no, that's fall a good right point. back into at it. This, at this point, I might have more hours in Smash than I do in Rise because yeah. I just don't play it on my console and I just don't know it. Yeah. And it's like in a, a time where you were like, it was the year after Odyssey and Zelda. And you're just like, these are like the new pinnacles for these series. What is Smash going to be? And they're like... Yeah, we'll match that. It's just it's just incredible. It's just so cool that these games all exist on the same platform. Like, how often does a publisher just gear up and just fire on all cylinders for basically five years straight, like Nintendo has with the Switch? Just like, yep, here's the new definitive entry in this series, and it's literally in the title, Ultimate. It's, it's just that good, and I just love that it's here and that everyone is here, you know? Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? I, I can't say too much. I've only played it for a couple no, of hours, no. but I can see just with that, the wealth of content that's there. It's just for a fighting game, that roster yeah. is absolutely Eight. crazy, especially when you add in the DLC characters, because I think that ramped it up to 11 in terms of the characters that they could bring over with, you know, with Joker, with Sora, with Banjo, with all of these um these other characters that you really don't associate with Nintendo at all, that Steve. they can bring them over and that they, Steve <laughs> is crazy. Crashed Twitter. Uh, just, yeah. With the impact that, that ultimate has had and just the amount of stuff there is in that game is absolutely crazy. Uh, just the sheer level of excitement whenever a new character trailer drops is just unreal like you said steve broke twitter like how often does that happen come on yeah this game pulled off some crazy 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 feats getting everyone in there especially to cap it off with sora which i did not think could happen disney is a wall to get over but sakurai did it sakurai put everything he had into this game and it shows um it is just a the definitive brawl fighter um it's just always fun to hop in and play. Um, like Logan said, every time we get together, we play Smashdown or a, a team battle. Like It's got modes um, that are fun for local co-op, which is not a lot of thing that current fighters do. They're all online-focused, and they really lack on that single-player content or just local couch co-op editing modes that Smash has a lot of options with. So... Kudos to that, because it really knows its audience, and it it's a perfect game for the Switch, which is just, like, go to, sit down with a bunch of friends, play these games, have a great time kind of console. Yeah, and I'm trying to find new things to say about this game, because it is my number one of all time, and I've talked about it a hundred times, but I think so often what we even just overlook, because when you talk about Smash, you talk about the hype, the characters, the new the new fighters, everyone is here. The fighting is perfect. It it feels so incredible to play. Melee's still too fast. Smash 4 and Brawl are a little too slow. And this game is just perfect. It runs at 60 FPS locked. It is gorgeous. The stages look amazing. These stages I played on the GameCube as a kid that are now in HD and are just 
I still can't believe it when I look at them. And then the difference here for Ultimate between like Odyssey and Zelda is like, I could see Breath of the Wild for me being topped. Maybe not that initial sense of exploration and discovery, but if you add dungeons and you bring back some of those classic Zelda elements, you improve on Breath of the Wild to me. Odyssey, I could see an Odyssey too. I never doubt the Mario team to come up with crazy new ideas. So I could see an Odyssey 2 living up to the first. Smash, this is it. There's never going to be a better one than this game. Uh, And that's why I think it's number one over something like Odyssey. Is just like, this is the peak of the series, and I don't think it will ever be better. So your definitive top 10 Switch games as of... March 2022, five years into the Switch. Number 10, Bug Fables. Nine, Luigi's Mansion 3. Eight, Celeste. Seven, Metroid Dread. Six, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Five, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Four, Golf Story. Three, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number two, Super Mario Odyssey. And number one, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. What a list, God. It's a good list. <laughs> and of course, there's so many other games that were either in our honorable mentions or weren't in there that are still great Animal games. Animal Crossing! We played that for 100 hours each and didn't even get a mention. (laughs) Yeah. The Switch is so deep. The library is incredible. It's Nintendo at the peak of their game. And we're not even done. Yeah. It'll be fun to look back on this list uh, come the time when the original Switch model is is done. And then uh, we can reevaluate and... uh, because I'm sure that there's going to be a bunch of games on here that'll that'll really shake things up. If there's an Odyssey 2 that comes along, I know the sequel to Breath of the Wild, <sighs> Sports Story. Yeah. <laughs> be, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff on the horizon where I could see this list uh, really shifting a lot. Uh, Attorney Seven years oh be great. Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great list. Yeah, dude, this in the PS4. List. It's like 2017 and on was like what a time, what a time to be playing games. <laughs> So many good games came out. Yeah. All right. I think we're going to have to save what we've been playing for uh, for next week. We are running on pretty long here. Yeah. So uh, look forward to next week when we'll talk about all the stuff we played over two weeks, plus any uh, pickups that we've gotten for uh, in in response to the 3DS and Wii U shutdown. I know that I've been busy. My wallet is crying. <laughs> um, Every day. Pick this up. Pick this up. Slow down. Yeah. yeah. I've got to do it now because my Don't wallet will be crying even harder. Uh if I waited a while, but we'll get into that next week. And no final thoughts before we wrap up this week's episode episode on the five year anniversary of the switch. It's been a great five years. It has been awesome covering this thing, playing this thing. Yeah. It's just, it's such a great little console and I think it's going to be the best selling of all time. I really do believe that, that this thing could sell 50 million more uh, and pass the PS2. No signs slowing down at all. Yeah. They're just full steam ahead. Yeah, games aren't slowing down at all. Yeah, as long as as long as supply constraints uh, don't really hamstring it, I think it, it really could uh, beat the PS2 by by the end of its life. We'll have to see though. Yeah, I guess it also depends on on when they decide to to bring the next console out. I mm-hmm. think that would probably be a would be the indicator of if it'll pass it. But I think it's got a good shot. Yeah. I will Great say I'll ha- I, we should both have final thoughts on Forbidden West next week. Zach finished it. I'm Will in the next week, and Uncharted movie too. So yeah, next, next week's gonna, gonna be, be packed. Big. Yeah, they're all yeah, packed. Look forward to <laughs> some weeks more than others, yeah. but 
I mean, I'm sure I'm looking forward to uh, to digging into the Uncharted movie as all of us being big fans of mm-hmm. the Uncharted games. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I look forward to that. Horizon, Uncharted, Wii U and 3DS pickups. <laughs> Beat two other games, <laughs> and I bought a very special game. Oh, God. Yeah, look forward to next week. But for this week's episode, that is going to be it. We're here on Thursdays or Fridays, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our website, odigames.com, any other podcast streaming service that you may use. We're on YouTube at Ode to Games. That's where the video podcast is. So if uh, if you want to see those box arts and confirm that these games are, in fact, the rating that for everyone. giving them, yep. uh, you can watch that on there at uh, at YouTube. You go up around the same time that the audio one does. We're on Twitter at Ode to Games. You can t- send us an email at odegamescast at gmail.com. For Logan and Zach, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>